Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days of the phone book, the encyclopedia, or asking an old person. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, and enjoying the uh, the warmth of August. <laughs> enjoying the warmth of August. Uh, tonight's show, going to recap my uh, trip to Denver. I went to Denver last week for a tobacco outlet conference, and I'll give you some details on that. My guest tonight is uh, pipe repairman George Debos. George is from Kansas City, so we'll have him on the phone and talk to him. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, remember, if you are listening to this show, you must be of legal smoking age where you are listening. Otherwise, you have to turn it off right now. Yeah, 18, 19, and uh, in the state of Hawaii, now you have to be 21 to smoke. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, what's going on around here? I'm traveling a lot now, again, so I just got back from Denver. How many of you are going to be at the Columbus Pipe Show this weekend, the NASPC show in Dublin, Ohio? How many of you will be there? I'll be out at the hotel starting on Friday afternoon at about 4 o'clock and doing some uh, tobacco sampling out on the, uh, out on the patio and the, under the tent there, and then all day on Saturday inside the showroom. You know, I always look forward to the to the NASPC show because it's a really good group of guys, really one of the better attended shows, and there's a really good bunch of retailers in the area. So a lot going on in just a short little trip. Uh, the other thing I like about it, <laughs> it's only an hour flight away. So get on the plane on Thursday afternoon, get off the plane, have dinner there, and then Sunday morning I'll be back home again and resting up from uh, three quick nights in Columbus, Ohio. All right, hey, please do me a favor. Uh, make sure and leave a rating or review for the Pipes Magazine radio show on iTunes and share the Pipes Magazine radio show with your friends. Don't let your pipe-smoking friends not know about the show. All right, everybody, let's get the show going. So sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Hey, this is Pipe Day Gabrielle, and you're listening to Pipes Magazine Radio Show. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. 
It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. All right, we are back. So last week on uh, Wednesday, I hopped on a plane and went to Denver. Denver, actually technically Boulder, Colorado, is the home base for the smoker-friendly chain of tobacco outlets. And here's again how I define a tobacco outlet. It's a store that primarily sells cigarettes, but also sells all other kinds of tobacco products from roll your own tobacco to premium cigars and a lot of them have uh, walk-in humidors or a small uh, humidor display they also carry pipe tobacco chewing tobacco so it's a total tobacco store Uh, the reason this group is important to us is because in the united states the drug stores obviously cvs and some of the grocery store chains are getting out of tobacco they're not carrying any more tobacco products so this is what it's switching over to this and it's more like what's gone on in Europe where you have uh, where you have total tobacco shops that service all levels of the smokers needs now the conference the smoker friendly group is about 800 stores across the United States it's held at a uh, golf resort outside of Boulder um yeah, don't tell them, but not exactly the nicest place I've ever stayed, but it was a decent place. Anyway, um, the conference is part educational and part selling. So the beginning of the educational part was an update on potential FDA legislation and potential protections for other tobacco products, better known as pipes, uh, pipe tobacco and, uh, and cigars. There is still no information coming out on the FDA. None at all. Uh, There was a great presentation that showed the interest in e-cigarettes or vaping. And we've seen this in the tobacco business year after year where some new trend comes in and it comes in, takes a little bit of the business and then peaks and then tends to fall off. They're starting to see that in the e-cigarette or the vaping business, and it may just be that people have gotten all their uh, all the hardware, and now they're just going to the refills. But there's they've seen a peak, and now it's starting to drop down. Um, there was a big interest, and this was good for me. There was a big interest in several of the shops to expand their pipe tobacco horizons. Now, for most of them, we at the uh, Sutliff factory, we make a private label, uh, entry-level priced pipe tobacco that comes in a pouch or in a 12-ounce bag. You've seen them in every drugstore. You've seen them in every every grocery store. It's a low-priced, decent quality, nothing that that you want to age for 10 years, but it's a good... It's a decent uh, decent smoke. Uh, we make the private label for them. 
and they are getting more interested in expanding the different flavors that they carry and even coming up into some of the bulk tobaccos. So the reason I mention this is because they're starting to see more and more smokers, more and more potential pipe smokers coming into their stores and looking for information, looking for products to try, uh, looking for pipe cleaners and basic pipes. Uh, For those of us that are out on the road a lot or just need to pick up something quick to smoke, check out your local uh, discount cigarette store or discount uh, or tobacco outlet store. You'll see a lot of them in strip shopping centers throughout the United States. Stop in and see them. The best thing that you can do for us as the pipe world as a whole is maybe educate them a little bit on what you want them to carry or what they should carry. There's about ten to 12,000 of these stores across the United States And they know mostly about cigarettes, they know a little bit about cigars, but they know very little about pipes and pipe tobacco. And as we as pipe smokers start walking through their doors, they'll be more and more interested in learning about it. You don't have to go in there and buy much, but if you buy a little pouch of something to try, or if you buy a pack of pipe cleaners or whatever they happen to sell, maybe pick up a cigar, it would be great. They will start to respond more and more like we saw with a couple of them that now want uh, 8 to 10 bulk tobaccos on their display so that they can service those customers. Um, the other thing that was at the uh, at the smoker-friendly conference, and keep in mind a lot of these stores are from the Colorado area, there is all different ways of extracting THC and CBD and dealing with the cannabis growth. They're talking about Nevada and California being legalized for recreational marijuana. So there was a lot of that stuff going on. It was really interesting. I did uh, I did want to go into one of the marijuana shops, but didn't get the time to uh, get away from the resort for the hour drive that it would have taken to get to a decent one. So, sorry, I didn't do what I wanted to, but, you know. Uh, anyway, there is a lot of this stuff coming up, and it's very interesting. Um, somewhat, uh, somewhat scary as well, because there's a lot of these uh, growers that are now uh, chemically controlling or genetically altering the plants that they're growing to get certain results. Anyway, looks like in the United States we'll be catching up to uh, several other countries in Europe and have a whole bunch of uh, controlled marijuana-based products out there. We'll see how that goes. If you have any questions about a tobacco outlet or anything like that, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I'll be more than happy to help you out. And if you get a chance, stop in one. All right, in just a minute, we're going to talk uh, real high-end pipe repair with George Debos. This is Internet Radio. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. (laughs) Just like you, I am sure. 
I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sightlife Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me on the telephone is a pipe repairman, and uh, I, I've seen... I've. I think I've seen some of his work, and it's exceptional, but we'll just have to get into it. So please welcome George Debos to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Good evening, Brian. All right, so let's go back to the beginning. Uh, how did you get involved in pipe smoking, and then how did you get involved in doing pipe repair work? Uh, it's totally an old-school kind of a story. My granddad, my own father were pipe smokers, and it was just something people did back then. I'm 61, and part of that generation where there was nothing unusual in it. And I got into the repair thing because I was a avid model builder as a kid, anything at all, whether it was airplanes, cars, spaceships. I liked to tinker and build stuff, so when my dad would damage a pipe, he'd hand it to me to work on, <laughs> see if I could fix it. And after a while, he started having some of his friends uh, bring him stuff and it it was a hobby for decades until I started doing it uh, full time about uh, almost 10 years ago now now did you uh, I mean did you start smoking a pipe when you were that when you were that young I did or not that young I was uh, 19 years old and uh, my dad said uh, you're old enough to smoke uh, and for my birthday one year, we went to a, a brick-and-mortar shop and uh, got two cans of tobacco and two pipes. And he said, you watch me use these for your whole life, so I don't need to give you any instruction. Just start in. Here you go. And that was it. It was it, not a whole lot of ceremony. It was just kind of an expected thing back then. Yeah, 40, uh, I guess 40-plus years ago, there wasn't a lot of uh, choices on the Internet either. Uh, do you remember the first pipe you got? I do. It was the, the, there were two. One was a little uh, Briar Peterson, uh, and the other was a Pioneer Calabash. And the first two tobaccos were Balkan Sobriety Black Label, the 759, and uh, some matured Virginia. I don't remember the name of. The salesman was Carl Ewa later uh, a few years after that wrote his book with who's mary mcneil now mcneil and uh, he was the manager of the the b&m where i got my first pipe wow so there's a i mean the, you started off almost at the top of the game with quality pipes and quality tobaccos and quality advice I, yes, and, and I, I felt very lucky for that. It, I never 
went through the trials and tribulations that so many smokers do because uh, I had that caliber of people showing me the, the path. And uh, it was enjoyable from day one, and I haven't stopped for the entire time. It's whatever it is now, 41 or two years. So from that point, when you're 19 years old, and what did you do for a living? Uh, what what kept you full of money in between? Well, I was uh, that I actually got it when I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was uh, doing the doing the duty, as they call it, uh, where you answer the phones, have to stay up all night, bored out of my mind. And I mentioned that in passing to my dad, and he said, "It's time to go get you a pipe, give you something to do on those long nights when you have to sit in a chair and wait for the phone to ring." So uh, I was in the Marines at the time, I became a policeman after I got out for a, a short time, uh, did some odd stuff and ended up mostly in data uh, processing type of uh, what they now call IT, computer programming. Yeah. And uh, did that through the middle 90s and then got into audio production. Uh -oh. I ran a, a live sound company for about another 10 years. The pipe repair thing was uh, uh, always going in the background in the same as a, a hobby. So when you were doing it as a hobby, were you getting stores in the area that were sending you stuff and then occasionally people would figure out who you were and they'd send you the pipes directly? Exactly so, yeah. Uh, Phoenix, I lived there, it was a, a hot pipe town for years. I would join local clubs uh, people are always seeming there. There always seems to be a shortage of repair people, and uh, they, the customers tend to come find you. And it's, it was never an issue. And the money didn't. I wasn't trying to make a living off of it, so it wasn't something that I had to concern myself much with. Just had a good time instead of flying radio control planes or or uh, what have you. I was uh, just fixing pipes on the side. How long did it take you to really get a handle on all the equipment and all the tools and everything that you needed to, to, to do the repair work? That's an interesting story because the, if you make pipes, from new, make new pipes, uh, it's a, a fairly narrow, uh, you only have to have the tools and the materials that you choose for your line of product your own methods and so forth, and you can, you can stay comfortably in that range. The, the, the test for those guys is creativity and, and excellence in execution. A repairman, though, is kind of like a multi-purpose player on a baseball team, and you have to be able to copy and reverse engineer what every other maker does in terms of finishes and construction methods and so forth. So uh, a repair shop is actually quite a bit more extensive than a pipe maker's shop. I've had uh, people drop by who are pipe world citizens, and they're astonished at the amount of, uh, of machinery and so forth that I have in my shop. It's uh, a whole different game than, than making individual pipes, but it wasn't until the last 10 years that I truly ramped up and went from a hobby bench into a production environment.
So are there times when you get a pipe in that needs to be worked on and you don't you don't have the right tool or the right shape of the tool to get it done and you have to go out and buy the tool or make it and then do the work? That that was a, a frequent, a regular occurrence. And after a while, you finally reach a point where it's unlikely you'll see something that you haven't seen before. And it's only been the last, oh, three or four years that I can say that I'm equipped to handle anything that comes along. With the exception of meerschaums, I don't, I categorically don't work on those. They're an entirely different animal, and uh, I just choose not to go there. But if it's a briar pipe and it's broken or needs restoration, I can probably do it now. Are you able to match the original stains of a pipe? So on a on like a 1930s era British pipe, you can match the original colors? Yes, and it's, well, a match the original result. I'm getting kind of splitting, splitting words there or definitions, but when you say matching the original stains, probably not. I don't have any way of knowing what was used at the time. But if I can achieve the same result to an observer, that it's a non-issue. So, yeah, that's the the whole game is to replicate things so they're undetectable. But how, what you use and how you get there is uh, you just fumble around till you figure out the answer. So, so the idea is to make it look like it was never worked on before. Yeah, and that's the irony of it. Uh, when I go to Chicago or any pipe show, I've never had a table because by definition you can't uh, show a pipe before and after it's been worked on. And if you're really good at the job, what you end up with is indistinguishable from new, and somebody would pick it up and say, oh, well, this isn't very impressive. It looks like a new pipe. And <laughs> So uh, in, a, in a strange way, the highest compliment you can get is when they don't realize you've done anything at all. <laughs> uh, what kind of just what kind of pipes have you worked on? Have you worked on all different price ranges and vintages? Yeah, I used to be a, a whatever came through the door, and I'm meticulous and finicky and and uh, obsessed with chasing perfection and precision, so I found myself uh, moving toward the higher end of the, in, to the collectible world more than the utility world. I still handle all uh, levels, we'll call them levels, but my uh, calling card, so to speak, anymore is uh, collector-grade pipes, and I've had them up to, oh, the single most expensive specimen was a little bit under $10,000. Okay, well, I get my jaw back up off the floor. Um, what would what would somebody want done to a $10,000 pipe that might that they might have that they might need done? It was caught in an accident. Uh, there was a, a, a without going into too much detail, there was some chemicals sprayed into the air of the room in which the pipes, this man's pipe collection was stored, and they were corrosive, 
and uh, the finishes and the stems on his collection had been uh, accelerated aging, we'll call it, like he'd submerged them in salt water or something for a while. It was unintentional. The guy took good care of his stuff. The uh, mishap occurred when he was out of the country. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in knowing that I was going to have you on the show, I had a friend of mine coincidentally at the same time asked me for a suggestion he has his own collection of artisan pipes um, he wanted to know if you could if he sent you a sample of a stem that he likes if you could work the stems down on the pipes the the other pipes that he has so that it matches that or do you need to make new stems for them the answer is some can be transformed, and others have to be made anew or fresh. It depends on, okay, let me back up a second. The stem making is an entirely subtractive exercise. All you can do is remove material, and if the guy that wants the stem made a certain shape and what he wants is thicker or wider, than the stem I'm given to work on. There's no way, like a sculptor can add little balls of clay and smooth them out. There's no way to add material and make it larger. But if they want to go the other direction and say, can you make it more thin or slim, slender and comfortable, usually that's not a problem. But the, the best and cleanest way to do something like that is just make a auxiliary stem, a second stem for the pipe and use it for your own daily use and put the original in a drawer. And that keeps the original value of the pipe and also keeps that original stem in good shape and then you get a stem the way you like it. All the above, yeah. that's the. It, it will still have been a smoked pipe because there'll be the carbon inside the bowl and so forth, but the condition of the stem is a very big deal when... Uh, in the estate market for collectibles. So putting it in a drawer and keeping it out of the sunlight and so it stays black for a long time, that's how I, if I were a collector of that caliber of pipe, that's what I would do for myself. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, I'm going to ask George a couple of my favorite uh, pipe repairmen questions. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. 
Currently, the Cellar series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back and still visiting with George. And George, every pipe repairman that I've ever had on the show, I've always asked him, all right, what it... What is the craziest thing you've ever seen that's happened to a pipe? Gosh, uh, a man who, there's a kind of a backstory to it, or it'll just sound too outrageous to be believed if you don't get the explanation along with it. A plaque, a board, was brought to me that had pipes that had been epoxied to it. And they'd been damaged in the course of putting that together so that they'd been encased in epoxy as a repair. They'd glued the shank back on one of them that had snapped off when they had tried to adjust its position while the glue was drying. Now, why that thing didn't end up in a dumpster and had to be, or didn't have to be, but someone wanted it uh, recovered and restored was, here's the story, the... uh, a fella had bought pipes at the milestones of his career, and he uh, each time he'd buy a new pipe, it would be a friend of his that would remind him of some significant business achievement or personal accomplishment. And he got to be quite elderly, and he had to stop smoking pipes, but he didn't want to give up altogether having them in his life so he decided well i'm not going to smoke them anymore but i want to continue to remember those events and talk to these pipes so i'll mount them on a board and hang the board in my office like a plaque (laughs) and he did that and he he did it in a casual way of i don't know how to do this he didn't understand about little rubber clips and stuff he just got a tube of of gorilla glue or epoxy and stuck them on good go (laughs) Well, maybe 10 years later, he got a a very serious medical diagnosis and realized that stopping smoking no longer mattered. He didn't have long. So he decided he wanted the pipes taken off the board and returned to smokable conditions so that he could smoke them again, at least like one last time, and figuratively one last time. And that's why the thing was brought to me, to see if I could get them off of there and return them to uh, a, a useful condition. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that, that's it. That's the strangest repair story I think I have. The, the things that you'd normally consider strange or unusual, like a dog thought it was a chew bone, or <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that type of thing is fairly common, actually. Yeah. So there's a lot of dogs out there, but there's not a lot of um, of uh, re- of taking a pipe off of a trophy board and making it smokable again. Exactly so. 
what are what are some of the more common repair jobs that you get? I would I would assume the the broken shank is probably a pretty standard one. Uh, well, not the shank so much. The, the when the shank snaps off the bowl itself, it does happen, but it's not terribly common. What is very common are when a pipe just gets dropped in the course of normal usage, and it lands in a way that the stem break breaks off of the shank. That the little insert piece of the stem that plugs into the pipe is called the tenon. Yeah. And T E N O N, and that breaks off cleanly, and you now have a pipe in two pieces. And in the one is this little cylinder of plastic or rubber that you can't remove, and it takes specialized tools to effect that repair. That's quite, it happens to most pipe smokers uh, now and again. It's, it's very common. Yeah, and in my case, at least three or four. Ten times. Uh, what are what are some some advice that you can give to us pipe smokers of things that a lot of us do that we shouldn't do to our pipes? Yeah, good question. Uh, something that has uh, there are people who seem to feel that the the best way to get a good smoke is to clean between smokes using alcohol. They'll dip a, a pipe cleaner in a jar of alcohol and swab the pipe out with it without ever removing the stem. And they'll go for months or years doing that. And what actually happens is the gap between the end of the tenon and the bottom of the mortise, the, the hole that you plug it into, gets filled up with a the deposition of particles of crud that the alcohol puts into suspension. It's a solvent, and you stir it up into this sludge, and then it squeegees off of the pipe cleaner along with shearing the cotton fibers off of the pipe cleaner, and then the whole icky mess dries in that gap. And then... They do it. They'll wait a week and smoke the pipe again and do it again, and they'll keep doing that over many years' time, thinking that they're they pat themselves on the back that they haven't ever taken the pipe apart, and that's that's a good thing in itself. They think, but their pipes have long since gone kind of rancid, and they're unable to figure out what the problem is because they say, well, it can't be anything inside the pipe. I clean them all the time. I keep it reamed. It's now, but it smells like a dead animal. What's going on here? Well, it's that buildup of sludgy stuff that plates out and is almost like a a varnish. Uh, it's, it, it's a ceramic varnishy, stinky stuff that gets in there. And I've seen that often enough to know that it's not an un. If I can project it to the general smoking population, there's probably quite a lot of people who are doing that that are unaware that they're causing their own problems. So what I do after each smoke is I use a little bit of Everclear on the tip of a pipe cleaner, and I run it through there. But to counteract what you're talking about, about every four months or so, I take my entire pipe collection 
and I open them up and I clean them with bristle cleaners. And it's the only time I use bristles, but I also clean inside the mortise hole and I clean the tip of the tenon. Am I doing that? Am I doing that right so that it doesn't get that big yes. nasty buildup in there? Yes, what you're doing is the way to do it. That's just periodically before it turns into this ceramic-like hard substance, just every month or two or whatever, depending on your rate of smoking, just take your pipe apart, use something like a little a toothpick or something that's not metal that'll cut and dig, and scrape that buildup out of there, and it'll your pipe will then indeed stay fresh and taste the way you want it to. Is there any benefit for me using Everclear versus using like isopropyl or any of the rubbing alcohols? Well, rubbing alcohol is frequently scented and has a high water content, and it's suboptimal. It, it, all alcohol is, is cheap. Uh, if you wouldn't drink it, you probably ought, ought not put it in your pipe. It's not literally true. But that's a good, simple rule of thumb. I wouldn't put a scented uh, solvent in there when you can avoid that and get the same result. So I'm, I'm spending maybe uh, twice or three times as much to buy Everclear, but it's going to be much safer for my pipes. Not even that. It's just uh, if people, gosh, uh, no, you're doing it just fine. Uh, a grain alcohol, so-called uh, denatured alcohol, is just fine. Uh, that you do, you wouldn't want to drink that. I'm trying to uh, keep people from getting a hold of the scented lotion-style rubbing alcohols and so forth that have perfumes and such in them, because that will migrate into the wood and leave the thing tasting and smelling strange. But straight-up alcohol. Uh, is really all you need. I would avoid acetone or any of those harsher solvents. And then last pipe-related repair question, is there a tobacco that you absolutely hate because it makes a massively hard cake in there? Yes, but it's the hard cakes aren't the problem. Uh, experienced repair guys know how to get, that, uh, get the, the cake out of a pipe effortlessly that the ones that we dread are the gummy buildup, the, the sticky cakes that are from the heavily cased tobaccos that are almost like a road asphalt <laughs> and a little, little stiffer than that. But it, not only are they uh, difficult to get out because it's so clingy, but it tends to be uh, a pretty uh, uh, attacks your nose. The residues of combustion, when scented like that, get pretty uh, foul. So cleaning a pipe that has had a lot of aromatic smoke through it without much cleaning, that's probably the low point of any pipe repairman's day. So the, so the guideline is, for those of you that smoke aromatics, you've got to work extra hard to keep your pipes clean. That is true. Yeah, they, it will uh, gunk them up. Close the airways, and, and uh, uh, it's far more the, the degradation of the smoking experience happens at a faster rate 
with aromatics than it does with non-case tobaccos because of all those buildups and tars and gummy things. And we've got a few more minutes, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you've been one of the judges for the, uh, for the American Carvers Contest at the Kansas City Pipe Show. Um, what's the process like that you go through when you walk into that room and you're looking at 40, 50, 60 pipes and how do you get down to the ones that you like? It's both easier and more difficult than most people would imagine. It's easier in one sense that the, the entries tend to divide fairly quickly into the potentials and the, the probably aren't going to make it, you can tell at a glance. So we do, it's basically a king of the hill. We'll go down a long line of pipes and say, does the second one trump the first one? And if so, then you set it aside. And you just work your way down the line, and that first pass is, is pretty quick. Where it gets to be difficult is when you're down to, we're, we're always shooting for a group of seven. And when you get down to the final dozen, it's where most of the work kicks in. And then when you're down to having eight or nine and you need only seven, that's when it gets torturous. And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we uh, got uh, Adam Davidson to be one of the judges. And he's one of the most knowledgeable people in, in that field that I could think of. And we were delighted to get him as a judge. And he was excited to do it. And the first thing that he said after he came out of the room from his solo pass, we each judge gets to view the pipes themselves without any other input. He came out of there, literally wrung out and collapsed in a chair and said, my word, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and it, which was humorous at the time, if you know Adam, that, that's, yeah. you know. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, it's a, 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 a lengthy process. It usually takes quite a few hours to get through to the, uh, the final group. But so far, uh, the, the contest has, has grown every year, and we're delighted with how uh, it's become a, 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 a target event, we'll call it, for uh, many carvers that where in the beginning it might have been a, a, like a sideshow. Now it's become something that they can uh, put. It puts a pretty big feather in a carver's hat to have won our contest because we take it so seriously, and so do they. And we're delighted that it's continuing to grow. I know a lot of them that leave the Chicago Pipe Show, and the first thing they do is go back home and go to work on the pipe for the Kansas City Carving Contest. And they, yeah, they they gruel and uh, and work that pipe until they've got it absolutely perfect. They do indeed. They're, it's been uh, uh, oh, this coming year uh, in the summer of 2016 the shape is going to return to something more accessible and classic than a cavalier. It's going to be the author shape, or and related like a ball, but it, uh, a bent, rounded author pipe. Uh, so we will see many entries, I, because that's an accessible shape. I expect we'll get somewhere north of 60 or 70 entries into that one. 
Well, I wish you all the luck picking them out. I'll be down in the uh, I'll be down in the pipe show room hanging out and uh, talking and going outside to smoke while you guys do all that work. So have fun. Uh, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, I, why do I have a, a trepidatious feeling passing through me right now? Go ahead. What's your favorite pipe? Uh, Dunhill. What's your favorite tobacco? Kendall, Kentucky. Gawith Hogarth, Kendall, Kentucky. What is your favorite drink? Tea. Any uh, any particular kind of tea? Brewed iced tea. Ooh. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Music and book, it's a tie. Just depends on how tired your eyes are from looking at pipes all day? Pretty much, actually. That is kind of what determines which I'll go for. And last question, any favorite pipe-smoking memory that we haven't discussed already? Pipe-smoking memory? Can't think of... My brain doesn't work like that, I guess. I can't... Nothing, nothing comes to mind. Uh, my apologies. George, thank you very much. I've seen some of the pipes that you've worked on, and they're absolutely amazing. I appreciate your time, and... Thanks for joining us. The pleasure's been all mine. We'll be back in just a minute. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Hi, my name is Eileen Saatchi from MarketingPipes.com. If you attend the major pipe shows or buy pipes on eBay, chances are you know my dad, Hank Saatchi, or eBuyer1932. My dad has been a pipe collector for over three decades and a reseller on eBay for the last 12 years. His new website is marketingpipes.com. At marketingpipes.com, you will find high-quality, hand-picked pipes. Carvers, join my dad's vast network of collectors across the globe and let my dad promote your brand. Collectors, consign your pipes at affordable commissions or buy your next collectible pipe at marketingpipes.com. Thank you. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. You know, I, I like what George said about uh, about repairing a pipe and bringing it back to a condition where you don't even know it was worked on before. I mean, that's skill and talent. Uh, 
skill and talent to the point where he doesn't have an email address or a website. If you've got a special prize possession pipe that you need him to work on, uh, you can either get a hold of him through the Kansas City Pipe Club, any of the Kansas City Pipe Club members, or maybe catch him on one of the forums. Uh, he's uh, so selective, wouldn't even work on a pipe for me, and I'm a legend in my own mind. And the leading expert on my own opinion. Alright, enough of that babble. Uh, we're going on to music, and for music, let's go back to Albert King, and Albert King drowning on dry land. I love this one. I'm going down, down there. My nose is in the sand I'm going down, 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 babe My nose is in the sand Cloud of dust have came over me, and I think I'm drowning on dry land. My father told me, he says, "Son, don't rush to be a man." story about a little dog couldn't see too well she said crossed the railroad track one day and the train cut off a piece of his tail he turned around and never looked up just a peep over the railroad track she said he lost his whole head Just a little piece of the tail I'm going down, 
You know, if I could play guitar like that, well, obviously I'd be able to play guitar like that, which I can't, but that reminds me of a, uh, what, bring, what brought that up is a funny story that I want to tell you about. Check your mailbox, you moron! But I guess I'll have to do it next time. Alright, in the mailbag, let's go straight to the world-famous John Seiler in regards to last week's show. Hi, Brian, no sympathy here on the setup the kids at college trip as i've done it twice three times if you consider an advanced degree for one yeah but john when you did it there was a uh, covered wagon that drove you there just kidding just kidding uh you'll enjoy the empty nest he says then he goes on to say premolchetta is a gentleman long established in our hobby both the smokers haven blends and the chetta pipes are great it's nice to see premol working with the new upcoming pipe makers I have one of his collaboration pipes that always smokes great. He also sells some great estates. Uh, Music, William Walton's piece, Crown Imperial March, was interesting. It almost felt like it belonged in Star Wars. I know I had heard it somewhere previously. (laughs) Could have been stolen. Uh, Rant, I also hate a new computer. It is such a P-I-T-A, which I think is short for pain in the anterior area. Uh, anyway, uh, good show. See you in Columbus. Yep, looking forward to seeing you and uh, you and your older, uh, your much older brother Bill. Uh, Dan Casey Ghost writes the pipe parts history lesson continues to be really good stuff. I just think the world of Premel. He is just a class act. Last year at the NASPC show, he took what must have been thirty people out to dinner on Friday night. That cost a pretty penny. Uh, from the restaurant, we walked down to a really good ice cream place. Believe it or not, he actually had to suggest to someone that they buy him an ice cream cone. Uh, Premel didn't mention it in the interview, but he is a two-time winner of the Greater Kansas City Pipe Club's Pipe Carving Contest. I believe his winning entries were in the Bulldog Contest and then in the Dublin Contest. He didn't enter last year, but we look forward to his return this year. The blends Premel has made for him by Germaine are excellent. Exotic is one of the best balcony blends around. And then Dan says, the music wasn't bad. It made you think that John Williams was heavily influenced by William Walton. Or maybe John Williams is stealing from William Walton. Never know. Um, moving large amounts of data from one machine to the other is a real pain. The hard part is that you don't realize how much crap you have nor where it is all stashed. In a dream world, you would just create a ghost image of the old computer and then restore it in the new machine. The problem is that usually the old computer has a different operating system than the new one, or you just have people that can do that for you. I want to have people. Um, Ed Green says, send all your files to the almighty cloud. What could happen? 
Ashley Madison, IRS, U.S. State Department, Target, etc. Any mention of Syrian Latakia could raise flags with ISIS hackers. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. <laughs> Got me worried now. I have not used the cloud whatsoever. Uh, and yet we give all our, all our files to somebody we never met to copy, which is why it takes so long. Uh, so many people have the same need, and yet so few geek squatters. You'd think they'd figure out that the easier a transfer is to a new computer, the more likely people are to purchase a new computer. Never thought of it that way. Uh, Tarek says, Great show. Interesting hearing from Premel. I didn't realize how old and storied Smoker's Haven was. Yeah, been around a long time. Uh, I'm surprised and interested to hear Jermaine is blending for Smoker ha- Smoker's Haven. Makes me take their blends very seriously. Also was interested to hear a little information on why production is so scarce from that company. Since folks will sell organs to get a few ounces, I'd like to recommend a little Chuck Mangione for music sometime. <laughs> Thanks again as always. Uh, did Chuck Mangione do uh, Thunder Island? Uh, I just happen to remember that one. Uh, the Kilted One says, A great set of shows, Brian. I fell behind over the summer. Shame on you. Uh, but have caught up with the last seven weeks now. I had the pleasure of meeting Premel at the Chicago show this year, although I had no idea who he was at the time. I was wandering around lost on the Thursday afternoon and accidentally stumbled into the Smoker's Haven room next to the golf supply shop. Premel greeted me very warmly. We chatted a little, and I came out with a Smoker's Haven cloth bag and a bowl full of a sample blend, a fantastic way to kick off the show. Music, I like a good Imperial March, but you need to get some bagpipes going to really scare everyone away. And rant switching to computers is never fun. It's amazing how fast the junk files accumulate. If I didn't need one, I'd just stick to my phone. Happy trails and all that good stuff, Jordan. Uh, Jordan, hope you're still wearing the cool uh, Disney font shirt. Um, Lone Star writes... uh, No, let's go back to Bradley, the old Cajun. He wrote in, A couple of years back, I ordered from Smoker's Haven. Got the package, and a few months down the road, I get an email from Premel saying he was checking his business and saw I was double-billed. I checked, and sure enough, I was. They made it good, and I would have never known. Can't say enough about him, his family, and workers. Top-notch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rolling right along, Dutch65 says, Fantastic interview with the owner of one of the oldest pipe shops in the country. I especially enjoy hearing the details of the hobby from years past. Would especially enjoy an interview with Jesse Jones when you guys can make that interview happen. You got it. We'll make it happen soon. Um, Bubblehead Diver says a recommendation for Scott Klein, Mark Price, and Kent Joyce. Uh, Scott Klein was on probably in show 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there. But uh, we'll put Mark Price and Kent Joyce on the list. All right. Just a minute. Rant time. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for CupOfJoes.com. CupOfJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupOfJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupOfJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupOfJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. 
Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cowboy. Cowboy. I found a new reason to buy a new pipe. Yeah, I found a new reason for another pipe. And here's how it goes. So when I take my walks or I go outside, it seems like every spider in the freaking world, every spider builds their webs right about five foot eight. Right about five foot eight up off the ground. Well, what happens to me, I'm six foot tall. I get those spider webs right across the eyes. Just dead smack right across the eyes. Well, what I need now is I need a very lightweight, tall, stacked billiard so that when I go out on my walks or I go outside, I can use that bowl to break through all those spider webs that end up going right across the front of my eyes. I'd like to figure out how every freaking spider in our neighborhood knows that my eyes are right there because I get spider webs going right across them. But I figure now if I get a pipe that's tall enough to block all the spider webs, I'll get that bowl hot enough, it'll melt right through the webs, and then I carry my lighter with me so any residual webs left behind, I'm going to torch those suckers. No, not a, not with a torch lighter, but I'm just going to burn them with my soft flame lighter. I'm going on this jihad against every spider out there that thinks that 5'8 is the perfect place to put a spider web right across a walkway. Every one of you spiders, if any of you are listening, you're going to get a hot bowl of pipe tobacco coming right through your spider web. And then if I see where the rest of your web is, I'm coming at you with the soft flame lighter and I'm going to burn the web down until you guys figure out that, you know what, there's shorter people out there and let those short people hit the spider webs as they go out on their walks because I'm tired of it. Five foot eight is exactly where my eyes are. That seems just about right for every spider web out there. Put them down about five foot two. Let's have some of these short people get hit right in the face. All right, there you go. Hope to see a whole bunch of you this weekend in uh, Dublin, Ohio, or the greater Columbus area for the pipe show. Got any comments or questions, post them on the forums or email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And check back Tuesday for another brand new episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you to George Debos for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company. Until next time. Happy trails to you.
Because if I if I have a problem with somebody, I don't pee on them. Okay, all right.